Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room. I had a brain fart there for a minute. The X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 240, January 1989, issue on sale September 20th, 1988. This one's got a cover price of a dollar, and it's titled Strike the Match. Nastir TM, Mr. Sinister TM, The Goblin Queen TM, The Marauders TM. This one's got it all, Adam. Yeah, I don't like... Maybe it's the font. I don't like plain text on comic book covers. Like, I like Zhao and Pam and, you know, this issue, someone dies. Sure. I like... So, let's break this cover down. First of all... Uh, it's Sylvester in green, uh, and I think it's a pretty good one. Background's like a stark red, and in the foreground, you've got the Marauders bursting out of the page, and then above all of the Marauders, you've got Nastir, Mr. Sinister, and the Goblin Queen. That's good all by itself. You don't need that text. If you had that text, I agree with you, it should be some splashy font, and each person should have that font kind of like underneath them or next to them, like because you're kind of like... If this is your first comic book, you're like, look at Nastir. He's a dragon and he's awesome. And Mr. Sinister, what's this guy got going on? Goblin Queen and Marauders? But this is just, yeah, it's just a, like somebody on a typewriter just typed this out. <laughs> this one's got it all. It's like italicized in like some block font. It's pathetic. Yeah. So I guess. Although. Mm-hmm. The art, I agree with you. This is this is this is like a deep cut T-shirt. Mm-hmm. If I saw this as a T-shirt, I'm totally buying it. Nobody knows who these people are. I'm buying two. Only only the hardcore fans know. Um, I think some people might be like, "Is that Sabretooth? Because that's you know, true. He was in the movies, but uh, if you take the X-Men logo out and just the image is the shirt, then you're probably right. You you probably get a large swath of the population that's like, "That's a cool shirt," but I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So you're so you're such a hipster, man. <laughs> I think I should know that, but I don't. What DC <laughs> comic is that? Suicide Squad. <laughs> so, yeah, good cover. Uh, not much else to really say about it. So, yeah, opening it up. Strike the match is what it's called. Uh, Stanley presents this uh, uncanny X-Men book written by Chris Claremont. Penciled by Mark Silvestri, inked by Dan Green. Glennis Oliver colored this thing. Tom Orzakowski's a letter. Bob Harris is editing, and Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. And uh, up in the really tall building, the RCA building itself. The Rainbow Room? Is that where the Rainbow Room is, in the RCA building? No. For a minute there, I thought they were in the Empire State Building, but they're not. They're they're atop the RCA building. Um in Rockefeller Center, and it's um, it's Alex Summers and Madeline Pryor, and they're dancing. There's nobody else in this club slash restaurant uh, except for a maitre d' and a saxophone and uh, clarinet player. Well, then presumably there's a full band. No, I, I, I think they, those guys have the day off. and uh, It's just a saxophone and a clarinet just, player. Just doing they can a, make it work. Yeah, just doing a duet. They're talented. They come up with some songs that work between the two of them. They each get a solo. It's nice. So this is this is Inferno Part the First. Yes. Which means Inferno has finally begun. Oh, my gosh. And it will never end. <laughs> Actually, it's, it, it is a, I think it's over pretty quickly. But uh, if you're reading all of the content, it can feel like it never ends. <laughs> 
but yeah, uh, they're dancing. They're 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 young lovers. They are because as we saw last issue, they did it totally. And uh, there's there's nobody here. They're they're flattering each other, a little flirting. Madeline's dress is a sleeveless affair. And then you turn the next page and it's got sleeves in the next two panels, different sleeves in the second panel than in the first panel. But in the third panel that she's in, um, she has no sleeves again. And the bottom is kind of frayed, whereas the original dress was full. Yeah. So what, what's going on? And, and it, and it kind of like, this is, there's a couple of times where it changes, where it makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, because they're doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. But there's a few more times where, like, is this is this on purpose? I feel like all of this is on purpose. I feel that um, Madeline, whether she's aware of it or not, I'm not entirely sure if she's aware of completely what's happening. But I feel like she has Alex hypnotized. And right now, this building is probably, like, all messed up with, like, goblins and stuff. But all they mm-hmm. see is a nice, clean, empty restaurant. That's... I don't know if that's what's happening. Nothing in the dialogue or uh, um, the narration box would infer that. But I th- I definitely think that the dress is changing um, on purpose. It, it's got to be because it, it is like every single panel is a different dress. Yeah. And they're, they're different styles of dress. So, so definitely there's sorcery occurring here. And I feel like Alex doesn't notice it because she has him under her spell. Whether she He's knows it or not. Okay. I, I think anyways. I I don't know. I'm I'm willing to buy into your reality this time. <laughs> okay, finally. <laughs> so they grab some champagne. They head out onto the balcony to overlook the city. Uh, and again, the city, like to to us, uh, looks perfectly normal. There's there's I think maybe headlights in the uh, down below. We see the Empire State Building. Everything looks normal. The sky is normal. But I think as we've seen all around, like in Exterminators and New Mutants, which I think is occurring prior to this and simultaneous to this, like all heck is breaking loose. I don't think the 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 five-star babies in the sky has happened yet. That's probably true, but there's there should still be weirdness occurring. Well, they do, they do comment about how it's hot as sin out here, which is part of the thing that has been pointed out whenever whenever we're in demonic New York, everybody's always like, oh, it's so hot out here. Um, we haven't really talked about any of the side issues that don't involve X-Men stuff, but like in Daredevil and uh, Power Pack, they especially talk about the heat a lot. It's a hot summer, Adam. Yeah. And I remember when these comics came out. At least was it in, also a hot summer? I feel like in Wisconsin it was a hot summer. And I was like, oh, these writers must be on to something. Granted, they weren't in Wisconsin. And and I was also like 13, and summers seem to last forever when you're 13. So um, it was probably just a normal summer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, they go out, still flirting with each other. They hear a ruckus coming from inside, and there's these wacky... Ghostbustery people who are not Ghostbusters. Yeah, I don't. This is a weird filler. Like we talk, we sometimes talk about what a filler is. This seems to me to be a filler. I mean, it, it does it come back later in the pages of X Factor or something, or is this a one-time thing? Uh put a pin in that. We'll come back <laughs> to it because I think right after Inferno, I think we see these people again. 
Okay. Which is weird based on what their fate seems to be in this issue. So they're arguing about whether or not the Empire State Building is growing and they've got some equipment they're taking some measurements and you've got one doctor who's like look i see it and the other doctor's like that's impossible you guys don't know how to use your equipment and uh alex is like hey can i help having a problem folks anything we can help with and then you see in the background you see madeline's eyes get like all evil yeah there's some nice shading on on madeline she gets she kind of slides back into the shadows so that she can be ominous mm-hmm cool and they're like no doubtful at best we are university accredited scientists we are university accredited scientists engage in highly sensitive research of a most delicate nature we can do without the interference or kibitzing playboy dilettantes Mm, big words (laughs) and the maitre d comes over and says as can this establishment without the presence of those who have no regards they basically kick them out uh because they're messing with the guests and they said you were allowed to come over here and do your tests but you weren't allowed to create a commotion or uh talk to our guests right especially especially not in a rude way you jerks and he makes a face that later like the the ghostbusters are like did you see his face total physiognomic transmogrification but i mean is that supposed to be a weird face well, so he's got like your normal maitre d face, like a like an uppity French guy, uh, and then when he's kicking everybody out, his face gets all kind of like ugly and contorted. It's just it's just like a I'm kicking you out face. Well, and I'm not sure if the gray in his face is meant to be shadow or if it's meant to be like skin color. I don't know. I think it's shadow because in the next panel he has the same gray on his skin when he's talking to Alex. And his face is back into quote unquote normal. Maybe they're just amazed by his ability to go from like super polite to like get out back to my apologies, sir. I don't know. But this also kind of lends itself to like, like if if you subscribe to, to what I've uh, put forth earlier, maybe this dude's just a demon. And well, Madeline... that, that I think obviously the implication is that, yeah, this guy is a demon, yeah. but I just, I want him to be, I want it to be more obvious. Ah, okay. I agree with that. So they get into the elevator and, and they say the physiognoma. Tri- I had a very difficult time reading that word because uh, I just said it like thirty seconds ago. Yeah, but it's got a lot of syllables and a lot of letters. It's it's got it's like three... physiognomic transmogrification. Oh yeah, and then the other guy says you're hallucinating again. Um, and as they work their way down in the elevator, the walls turn into like red demons. And... I don't remember these murals from when we came up, says the lady, Lady Ghostbuster. Yep. And they're, oh, my God, the door, for pity's sake, someone help us get out. Don't let them close. And I think the implication here is that they're eaten. Yes. And Madeline is aware of it because she's eyeing the elevator as it closes. Again, she's got evil, evil eyes. And uh, the maitre d' is even like... Uh, um, they're simply getting what they most richly deserve as if he's in on what's about to happen next, which kind of, again, lends itself to everybody's in on this. Like, I don't know that this club is actually even open. They say somewhere that, um, Alex says something somewhere about how it's strange how empty this club is. He does on a page earlier. 
But maybe it's because uh, it's because it's stuffy out in the New York or something. I don't know. They they don't really give it. It's it's an odd situation. Yep. Nobody's there except for them, and he feels a little bit bad that uh, the entire sta- staff is waiting for them. But not Madeline. She feels like a queen. Yes. And in fact, when she she disappears, uh, and Alex goes out back to the patio where there's a giant telescope, or maybe it's the telescope of one of the Ghostbusters. Because they did leave their equipment behind. And she, now she's wearing her full Goblin Queen outfit, correct? She is. But again, I think Alex is hypnotized and he, all he sees is that long flowing black gown she was wearing earlier. All right. She turns and she's back to wearing a, a, a gown. But I I just wanted to make sure that I was recognizing that thing correctly. Absolutely. What are you looking at? The Empire State Building? See anything interesting? Only you, she says as she turns around. But in the magnification glass at zero, it looks like the Empire State Building. But when you magnify it by 10, the spire turns into like a whole bunch of demony looking things. I guess. Is that what that's supposed to be? It's cruddy, not, it's, it's not, it's not normal. It looks like soft serve ice cream. Uh, yeah. Or like a, like a, uh, somebody baby birding, like a little lizard. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. It's definitely not the, the, um, uh, antenna on top of the Empire State Building. They head towards the elevator and Alex leans over to pick up the glasses that the lady Ghostbuster left behind and says, Oh, Hmm, what's this? I think these belong to the lady scientist. Oh, sorry. Not the lady ghostbuster, the lady scientist. I wonder why she dropped them. We see the mural on the wall, but Alex doesn't make any comments about it. It's still pretty demonic looking. He says, I'd better leave them with the Mater D. Hey, listen to the wind howl down the elevator shaft. Spooky. It almost sounds like screaming. So presumably those uh, scientists are still dying. <laughs> Although we don't know if they actually end up dying. Right. And that's a question that we should track all the way through um, Inferno. The people that appear to get eaten or turned into goblins or demons, do they actually, are they actually dead when in, spoilers, when Inferno is solved? Well, um, there are some people in this issue who get goblinized who I'm pretty sure make it out of this. Yeah. So that's just something to to put a pin in and tr- to try to track because uh, it, it seems like anybody who is affected by Inferno just gets a pass at the end. But that okay. could be me just misremembering how things uh, played out. Uh, but they do smooch, Madeline and Alex. They do. And uh, very quickly, they are teleported back to Australia in the middle of kind of, of some dialogue. And now for the next few panels, Madeline's dress is the same all the way through. Yeah, I guess so. Because like, like, Gateway's watching, presumably. Maybe. And they, uh, you know, they comment like, Gateway, how does he know to bring us here and uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Same old stuff. Um, and then Alex also comments that he'll never get used to a date, a midnight date in Manhattan, and then coming back to the Outback at noon. Hmm. And the next day to boot. It's been a lovely evening, Madeline. I hope it's a long way from over. Well. <laughs> There'll be other evenings. For now, I prefer some time and space to myself. And she teleports away, and uh, Alex is like, Dunce, caring only about how you feel, what you want. When it's Madeline you should be concerned about. Is there anything I... Oh, 
Hey, Gateway, where'd she... Oh, never mind. Oh, well. You'll never tell, will you, fella? Any more than you'll send her after me. He wanted to make some love, and he got rejected. Oh, is that what happened? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Well, I hope it's a long way from over. feel like it's code for, like, how about we saddle up in the... <laughs> the, the sex room or whatever that ah uh, okay <laughs> the doing it room i suppose <laughs> i thought he would thought, thought maybe he wanted to go to like the dazzler club or something i don't know well, maybe sure. actually these last three panels somehow i think i skipped them when i read this oh okay i don't remember this at all <laughs> well now you're caught up so alex heads back to the little hideout uh town where madeline heads off to bard college uh, I don't know what Bard College is. Is this the cemetery that Nastiris had, or is this I just think a Bard random College cemetery? is in Vermont? Okay, but I don't know that for sure. I don't know if we're supposed to be familiar with Bard College or this uh, cemetery, but she's there and she's she's reminiscing. I guess she sees uh, Scott who says, "I loved Eugene. I loved Madeline. I'm glad she isn't you. What we had is magic. I'll treasure it always. But now Madeline and I." Have a chance to create our own magic to make what is as unique and special as what was. She says very quietly, a liar. She watches over her wedding to Scott when she was far more innocent looking and Scott was far more happy looking. Going over the vows and uh, as the preacher finishes the vows, she screams, liar. And uh, she destroys the headstone of Jean Grey. So evidently this is where... She was buried. Is this where Jean Grey went to college for like two days? <laughs> Bard College, maybe. <laughs> you do remember that, right? I do, yeah. Uh, okay. No, that was like, that was city college, I think. Yeah, I feel like that was like college college. <laughs> yeah, school college. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to ruin everything? Why couldn't you just stay dead? And off to the side for some reason uh, is Jean's parents. They're visiting Jean's grave, as as you do, at, <laughs> at midnight, apparently. What luck. And they're like, oh, that woman, could it be Jean? And uh, John says, I don't know, Elaine. She's had so many incarnations. What with one? <laughs> Child, what are you doing? Why are you smashing that headstone? Ow! And uh, Madeline blasts them. Yeah, it looks like she puts holes right through them, but I think they're kind of like soul holes. Soul holes. Well, not soul only that, holes. I'll, I'll go with soul holes, and that that's fine, and that would lend itself to everything else that we talk about. But then in the next panel, you see their faces melt, and then you see them turned into cocoons. Well, yeah, you got to melt their faces off in order to turn them into uh, pupa and then <laughs> goblins. <laughs> I mean, this is like... This is like uh, um, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark style melting. Honestly, I was pretty shocked when this, when I, because I don't remember this happened. And then I was like reading it and I was like, oh, whoa. So obviously this is going to get undone, but I did not see it coming. She just like tears up Jean's parents. And in a way, I wish it wasn't undone. I wish like they, like the Marvel Universe or whatever, X Factor and the X-Men would have to deal with this as a consequence of, of Inferno. This is the age of everything not mattering. Yeah. So, yes, they get turned into pupa, and then we, I guess, yeah, they get turned into to demons after Nastir shows up. Bold words, Goblin Queen. She's all got this power. She's like, I got power. I'm going to use it. Nastir, do you believe me to be some toy? Who are you? 
my own woman. Why, why he asked that. I think also, he knows who she is. Also your employer. You have news for me? When did... How did their relationship, I thought, started when he contacted her at Genosha? Well, I think she's the Goblin Queen, so he's oh. he's technically working for her, even though he clearly plans to use her in his own machinations against Sa'em and the rest of New York. Gotcha. It's complicated and, and probably not. You kind of got to read between the lines a little bit. Gotcha. It's not clear. Uh, you have news for me? And Steer's like, yup, I've got some news. Um, and that's when uh, John and Elaine Gray emerge from their pupa holders and uh, they they follow. They're, they're, they are now Madeline's pets. We only see one of them. I guess the other one's in the background. It looks like a statue maybe. Yeah. Um, speaking of babies and Steer, I want my my word is bond, my lady. A most promising lead has been unearthed. If your darkling majesty will but accompany me, and they disappear. Poof. Meanwhile, in Australia, uh, Rogue, who you would not know it is immediately Rogue until I later. I assumed it was Dazzler, because honestly, this is this is a person who's roller skating. We know where Dazzler roller skates. It's like one of her things. She's listening to music. Well, we know Dazzler listens to music. It's one of her things. She's hanging out with Longshot, who is her boyfriend, or so she has said. Um, and it's not; it's it's Rogue. Uh, they're they're out like she's flirting with him, and he's flirting right back. I guess it's a trick. It's 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 misleading. You're supposed to think one thing, but it's another. Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the out. Like I don't what I don't like this hat thing that she's got going on either. Basically, Rogue is dressed up in Dazzler's clothes, which makes no sense whatsoever, but okay. It's awful. Don't count on it, you hussy, says Dazzler, who appears on the scene, knocking both Longshot and Rogue off of their roller skates. You mind telling me, me Rogue, what you're doing wearing my clothes and making time with my boyfriend? And Rogue, I feel like this is just uncharacteristic of her, is like... Excuse me out of places. I thought he was a person able to make his own choices about who to hang out with, not private property. Well, I think this is part of the uh, thing that's been happening with the Rogue over the past couple of issues. And I don't know if they're trying to make this into a thing where Rogue is slightly off and Carol Danvers is somehow a part of that. Um, I don't know if they will continue to make it a thing. But so far, it seems like it's this is the second issue where it's sort of a thing. Rogue had a, a, a traumatic experience. She now shares her consciousness with fake Carol Danvers, and she's slightly different. Sure, I can buy that. You mean when she was molested by the Genosians? When whatever happened, we'll never know. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, I, I buy that. So they, they start fighting, and meanwhile, Longshot in the background is like, private property, doesn't that make me sort of a slave? Huh. huh? <laughs> it's more of a question mark. Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, and that's when uh, Rogue and uh, Dazzler start fighting. Willie! <laughs> and uh, Longshot's like, Allison, stop. There's no need to be angry. You'll hurt her. That's the idea. Whatever it takes, you tramp. And one of her Dazzle Blasts connects with the Rogue, and Rogue shouts, Yow! And then we cut to the weirdest scene in the comic book where Colossus 
is sketching a naked Betsy Braddock who isn't naked. She's just, she's naked, but she's got like a, a, a blanket, I guess, covering her up. Um, the weirdest nude painting ever. Nude sketch. Colossus is keeping it tasteful. You know, he's like, I I want only your back to be naked. And then I want (laughs) you to face me so that I can draw you draped in a sheet. Let's do a nude sketch. Oh, Colossus, but you have to be clothed. <laughs> I do not want to see you naked. <laughs> um, okay. Like, well, whatever. At any rate, Colossus is complaining about how he sucks at drawing. I'm no good. And she says, you shouldn't have such doubts about your talent, Peter. You really are quite good. That's when Rogue flies through the window. And gangway! Crashes into the bed. Everybody's all messed up in the blankets and stuff. Sorry about this. And Betsy looks all peeved. And Longshot looks over to Alice and says, why did you do that? Longshot, I, you, her, us. Friends don't own friends, Allison. Rogue and I are friends, the same as you and I were. You had no right to claim me as your exclusive, as exclusively your own. He's angry and he walks away. Ha. Ha. Not happy. Ha. Alex, meanwhile, is down in the basement in uh, Madeline's computer lair. And he comments. I feel like he's dressed like Duke from G.I. Joe. Kind of is. Yep. He's he's definitely got green fatigues on. He's got like uh, the Duke buzz cut going on. And he tells us how the X-Men are invisible to every scanning system on Earth. Stuff we already know basically to catch us up. But these computers can detect us and they have all sorts of information. And not only that, they can access any international data network he pleases. The computer center is pretty much Madeline's domain. She can get these electronic bees to do practically anything, but I ain't half bad myself. Petered. <laughs> oh, also he comments though, like, "Oh, long shot, what you said may be true, but Allison made our attentions from the start. You should have done the same." I.e., yeah. like, if you were gonna be a little playboy, you should have been like, "This isn't exclusive, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> do we not? Do we not remember that long shot is an alien? Right. And and not really hip to our ways of, of life and society. No, we forgot all that. I mean, I get it, but yeah, maybe maybe Havoc doesn't know. So uh, he smells some cigar smoke, and he's like, Wolverine and Storm, you shouldn't sneak up on me. I don't like it. I found the Marauders. <laughs> They're in the alley. They slaughtered the mo- Morlocks, and they crippled us. Madeline's been tinkering by herself lately with hard and software both. There have been some major changes, so apparently she is the resident technical genius at this point. Oh, yeah, totally. But she did it. Whatever she did, it paid off. They're in the alley. Storm is like, it's past time for us. Uh, It's past time we paid them back in kind. This is a weird panel because Wolverine's face looks all stretchy. It looks flat, but yes. It's like somebody ran them over. Not a great panel. So, meanwhile, uh, uh, Madeline, Goblin Queen, is walking around. She's at an orphanage. Orphan age. In Nebraska, apparently. Yes. Uh, And there's a machine very similar to what we saw in the pages of X-Factor. So, it's maybe Gene and Scott were here just like an hour or so ago. Possibly. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not sure. And they uh, they see all these cocoons and... uh, 
Madeline walks up, and apparently these cocoons are very similar to the ones that were in Genosha. Right. They're I don't know if just, that means anything, I, but I guess it's she sure has been bumping into babies a lot. <laughs> <laughs> she goes up to one of the cocoons. It's, she says it's empty, but why? Do I see a baby? My son? No, that can't be me. And she says, so I guess the baby has grown in the front of her eyes to a teenager to a full-grown woman. Yes, that is what I also took me a while to figure it out, but yes. Same here. Just like the gravesite somehow, I'm taking the images in my mind's eye and making them tangible, but what's my connection with this place? Why can't I remember? Gasp! She sees a note that says, Mode 1, Trial 1, Line 1, Primary primary Replicant Research, Codent Ident, or Codex Ident Madeline. What does all of that mean, Adam? Um, well, I guess we'll find out. Primary replicant research. Weird. We've got some sort of, uh, some sort of, some sort of code name Madeline hmm. in their replicant research. I, I don't know, man. Meanwhile, in Manhattan, there's still damage in the alley. Most, there's no Morlocks here that we can see anyways. And the Morlocks are hauling gear in because apparently... The Marauders, Mo- not the Morlocks, because the Morlocks are dead. Sorry, the more the Marauders. Uh, apparently Mr. Sinister wants to make this their new base. Yep. Why is Sinister relocating us here anyway? Our sweet blockbuster is not to reason why. And uh, I think this is the this guy's dead, right? This Riptide guy? Yeah, I think he's the dead one. Riptide is the one that Colossus uh, crushed his throat. Right. And then we also see Prism. Uh, Prism was accidentally overcharged by Scott, and he blew up. So uh, Riptide says, Arc Lab, my love, I take my cue from the what happened to the proverbial cat. Um, Smart fella, what's your complaint, Prism? Says uh, Short Circuit. No. Scatter. What's this dude's name? Scrambler. Scrambler. Scramble. Uh, don't we marauders have at least nine? Uh, uh, don't as many lives? Somebody says something about um, Riptide being alive. Yeah. Like. Well, this this is an uh, not yet. That that's coming up. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, this is the implication that two of these guys are dead, but apparently the marauders have many lives, much like cats. Yes. Right. So Blockbuster, who we did not see, I believe, in the pages of the X-Men, but I think we saw in the pages of X-Factor, is schlepping a bunch of gear. Always pushing, always needling. Uh, big mouth little Korean know-it-all thinks he's so hot, someday he'll get his. Yo, Prism, juice up your glow, bro! <laughs> Wolverine lights up a c- cigar or cigarette or something. And, and then he says, got a light. He says, <laughs> you want a light, bub? Got a light. <laughs> yeah. I wish that show was better. Oh, it's so good. What are you talking about? Well, that episode was great. But <laughs> everything else I mean, around I have it no was, idea what was it, it was about, but it was really watchable. The, the, the show or that episode? The whole show. Oh. Um, it was watchable. I'll give you that. I, I think it, and even in, it'll even be rewatchable, especially now that you're not anticipating what... <laughs> That's right. The entire th- what you want to have happen for eighteen episodes. 
which I think must have been uh, uh, what's his face's goal is like, this is what everybody's going to want to see. So I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do something totally different. You get to see Dale Cooper for five minutes. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be him as a baby. <laughs> Got a light. Got a light. Oh, that was the episode where I was like, oh, honey, this the show's not bad. Like, you should watch this with me. It's going to be weird, but <laughs> that episode was just bizarre. She's like, I don't know what's happening. I'm like, I don't either, but I really, I'm digging it. I kind of wish I was high right now, to be honest. Yeah, this has nothing to do with anything that's come before. This is a really bad first episode. <laughs> so, anyways, um, Colossus says, you're a marauder. How are you called, please? Blockbuster. I am Colossus. And there's a punch with no sound effect. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the skaboom that happens two panels later is the the sound effect. Yeah, totally. There there was a delay. Like the speed of Colossus's punch was that much faster than the sound it made. <laughs> Incoming skaboom! Yeah, it's an attack. Those sands popping up out of nowhere all around us, and one of them's nice and close by. Says Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. Who turns around. He kind of looks like a gorilla in these two panels. Say your prayers, sweetness, because when I'm through and he is targeting Dazzler. Give it a rest. She gives him a big old Dazzle Blast. You great thumping macho toadstool, one down, and Sabretooth is out. Yep. Because he got dazzled by her starburst p- p- strobe, which yep. is about an, as intense a flash as she can generate. And then she takes out Scalp Hunter. Havoc shoots at um, Prism, who just, like, magnifies this light all over his, his plasma blast all over the place. Jeez Louise, Prism's overloading out of control. Refracting amplifiers, protracting the X-Men's energy bolt every which way. Is that Harpoon who's saying that? I don't know, but I like that voice. <laughs> it was fun to do. <laughs> it doesn't, it's a, it's a weird balloon without any arrows. So, yes, every everybody says it. <laughs> What's this then? Ain't these ex-chumps supposed to be croaked? Big deal, Riptide, so are you, says Lady Arclight. 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 And Havoc jumps into the fray and captures all of Riptide's little throwing stars. And what could I, what could I, what can I only can imagine is like an awesome slow motion sequence where he's like diving around and, you know, it's, it's very visual. Uh, Absolutely. The panel doesn't give it the, the cinematic justice that it deserves. Totally. It's a, it's a Quicksilver panel from uh, the X-Men movies. But better. <laughs> well, of course. And much luckier. In my imagination, it's just better. <laughs> um, impossible. You caught everyone without a, uh, without a scratch. But how? Just lucky. But since these are yours, Marauders, only play to return him. He throws them back at Riptide, Arclight, and Harpoon. Ha! He says. <laughs> and uh, Wolverine says, punch it, troops, hard as you can, and everybody's shooting for everybody. Scrambler says, uh, these heroes mean business. They're out for blood. And Blockbuster gets up. He's off in a corner wherever Colossus punched him. Uh, he's listening to his buddies get beaten up, essentially. And as he stands up, the wall, uh, which looks like a giant butt, uh, reaches out and grabs him. Oh, let's say, let's say it looks like a sarlacc pit. It uh, gra- a bunch of hands, which I'm assuming are demons, grab him and suck him into the the pit. It looks like a pre-special edition sarlacc pit. 
It doesn't have like the okay. worm mouth sticking out of it. It's just yeah. it's just like a hole with I don't know some sort of teeth. Looks like a butt. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and the <clears throat> excuse me, the narration box says so much for Blockbuster. So is he dead? <laughs> I guess he's dead. Well, I mean, there's there is a big crunch kind of noise. I mean, if you look cinch. Ba- if you look back, there's like pages upon pages of no narration. And then this, so much for Blockbuster. <laughs> His teammates, however, appear to be faring somewhat better. Um, the Marauders are, I guess, making a little bit of uh, headway against the X-Men. Arclight punches a wall, which manage, she manages to, uh, I guess, the reverberations, shockwaves collapse the tunnel over the top of uh, Psylocke and Rogue's heads, crushing them under the, the rubble. Uh, and when Arclight goes to grab Psylocke, Psylocke reacts back by saying, can't act without thought, Marauder, and that's my domain. And that's when Scrambler sees uh, sees Psylocke now in a reverse position. Psylocke is over Arclight. Arclight is knocked out, and he says, I've always wondered what would happen when my touch turned a telepath's powered inside. Whoa! Scrambler, no, don't! And there's an, a huge explosion, and it turns out that Betsy got inside his head and switched their roles, so he actually grabbed Arclight instead of Betsy. Yep. And good on you. Yeah. And Polaris has now caught Colossus and is using her magnetic powers to fling Colossus every which way. Uh, and Storm shows up finally, and she uses the wind to try to counterbalance that magnetic power. Yeah, Polaris is trying to push Colossus towards Storm. Storm is using the force of the wind to push back. They're both at maximum power. Somebody's got to give. It's a real Mexican standoff. Is what Wolverine Mexican says. standoff. Whoever breaks gets pulped. And uh, Havoc is like, I should do something. But if I fire, at, uh, I'll kill somebody. Well, he doesn't want to kill Polaris. I mean, you know, it's not just anybody. It's his it's his lady. Well, yeah, his, his ex-lady, I guess. But he's been, like, cheating on her with Madeline, so. Yeah. I guess the feelings are still there. Right. You know, he doesn't want to kill her. <laughs> Give him some credit. Uh, poor Alex Uzums, for all the malice in our soul, you still see the face of the woman you love. Isn't that sweet? Pity you won't cross over and play on my side. And she flings Colossus towards, uh, Havoc. Well, she uses the, she, she flings him in the, whatever direction the wind is blowing so that it doubles his, uh, momentum and he goes up into, into the, uh, into the street above them. And bursts out through the street uh, where people are just shopping, it looks like. And then the uh, marauders use the hole in the sidewalk to spill out onto the streets of New York because they want to get out of there. We'll concede today, X-Men, but tomorrow, especially now that we know you're alive, that's a whole other story. Rabbit as fast as you can, babe. I guarantee you won't get far. Holy merciful God is the city. What's happened to the city? What indeed, says the caption. But that, too, is a tale for another day as we turn our attention a final time to... Madeline, who's standing in the orphanage in Nebraska, and she says, I warned you to steer. Shut up the truth for once, or the next right wounds will be real. 
And I'll cast what I leave of your pathetic car- carcass to my pets for dinner. Why did you bring me here? What is this place? Her pets, of course, are John and Elaine Gray. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, best, perhaps, your dark majesty to pose those questions not to me, but to the more than human being responsible for its creation. I'll wager he knows far better than I. She turns around and says, you have a name, chum. Most refer to me as Mr. Sinister, but you, Maladin, my pride, my first and foremost joy, you may call me father. So is, I've probably asked this question before, but is Mr. his uh, title or his first name? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just a clever name. Like, like Magneto was like, oh, you can show magnetism. That's Nito. <laughs> I I don't think that's how that name came about. That's how it was in X-Men First Class, I think it was. Uh, well, that doesn't count. No, it doesn't, but I always <laughs> found it hilariously <laughs> terrible. Mr. Sinister. When I was a kid, I thought Mr. Sinister was a cool name, but as an adult, I'm like, that's stupid. Who's going to run around like, I'm Mr. Sinister? Well, you know, comics are for kids. So <laughs> I mean that seems like a like a male entertainer's dancing name. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome is. Mr. Sinister to the stage. Get your dollar bills ready. And his brother, Master Disaster. <laughs> oh, they are gonna cause some trouble tonight. Anyways, uh so um I think I've got conclusions to draw here, Adam. Next Inferno or next Inferno Part two, fan the flames. So that's that's the end. You haven't let me draw my conclusions. I know. I just wanted to let the audience know that this was the last page and the comic is over. Oh. Now, what are your conclusions, Jeremy? And I, I didn't figure this out until I reread this issue. And I've read this issue a fair amount of times in my lifetime that Prism and Riptide, they're alive because they are clones. Yeah. That's what I figured. Okay. Um, or replicants. Replicants. Is that... Was that painfully obvious to you? Because, again, multiple readings, and this time around I was like, oh. And now they never out and say it. I don't think, anyways. In this reading, it was it was obvious to me. In prior readings, I don't think I cared. So, <laughs> <Okay>. it, like, <laughs> so like, like, the Marauders never really, as because as, I read through these, like, in the essentials, so I was, like, reading them, like, five or six a night before I go to bed. So I was, like, half asleep. And, uh, you know, it was great and I loved it, but like, I didn't connect to any of the non-major characters. So the fact that Riptide and Arclight died by the time they came back, I probably didn't even realize it. Right. And you could, you could probably have read like the X Factor story and been like, oh, that's just a graphical overrepresentation of what happened. He didn't actually explode. Yeah. And Colossus wouldn't murder somebody. That crack was probably just his head hitting the floor really hard. Well, I don't know about that, but I, I, I think I think I didn't connect that the character that was appearing in X-Men was the one that Colossus killed. Oh, I see. So you're just like, oh, it's just another random marauder. Yeah, it's just some marauder that I don't remember. Gotcha. OK, well, there you go. Uh, Inferno, part the first. Yeah, we're finally in Inferno, everybody. Woo! It's almost over. Turn the heat up. It's going to be a scorcher. Inferno. <laughs> Licky boom boom down. Thank you. All right. We'll be we'll be here all month. <laughs> okay, well we got some communication, some some messages. Sure did. 
First one's from uh, Bowser Sauber, which is how I'm going to say it. I don't know if that's right or not. I, I like it. Okay. Fantastic episode as always. You guys are always on point. Structured, concise, and God bl- Did you pay him to write this? Structured, <laughs> uh, concise, on point? Uh, those are things that I would not use to describe our podcast. You're not supposed to ask me that. Oh, I mean, yes. And God- that, that, that could implicate me. Adam, are you Bowser Sauber? <laughs> And, I am not. And God bless both of you. Uh, God bless you both for keeping this uh, thing funking PG-13 for 275 episodes. Decorum at the highest level. So my real question is, who would you rather romp with, Madeline or Jean? Well, let's address that first point. Um, Adam, we have never actually talked about how we wanted to conduct ourselves in this podcast, whether it be G, PG, PG-13, or R, correct? I think, I, I, I have no idea. I don't recall us ever having that conversation, but I feel like since uh, it's been mutually like uh, understood that uh, while I think maybe we've let a couple of swears go from time to time, that this is... I'm, I'm definitely responsible for the majority of any of the F-bombs that we've had. <laughs> well, in a PG-13 joint, I think you're allowed at least one, as long as it's not used in a sexual connotation. You get one a year? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, but anyways, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's a, it's a comic book podcast. Like, we could go blue if we really wanted to, but... I, my, my biggest challenge, not my biggest challenge, the, the thing that I wanted to try, try to do the, um, the most with this podcast is, uh, try to be entertaining and try to be funny without being all sweary. Cause boy, howdy, do I like to swear. <laughs> and he's really good at it too. Oh my God. <laughs> There's another podcast I did many, many years ago and we swore like sailors on it and it was so much fun, but I thought it'd be more of a challenge to, to, you know. As as Bowser says, keep it PG thirteen, and I feel like we've done a fair job at that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Plus, I don't know. This material doesn't really lend itself to you know to going all George Carlin on it. <laughs> we could release like oh, this. This could be a new uh, Patreon thing. We could do <laughs> rated R episodes. <laughs> oh wow! There, there. Now you're thinking. <laughs> If yeah, if the interest is there, I, I think we could do like a blue episode uh, for for our Patreon subscribers, where we're just like, yeah, we'd have to have some drinks though. I think, for sure. <laughs> uh, and then we would just do like select issues. It wouldn't be like an issue by issue. We'd take like yeah, some, some yeah, of the would, really bad yeah. issues and and go crazy. But but to the last question, the real question: Who would you rather romp with, Madeline or Gene? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know that I can answer it, Adam, because on the one hand, you've got Madeline, and I feel like she, as Goblin Queen, would be a freak. Yeah, but, like, then you'd be dead. Well, right. <laughs> I think you'd have a good time, and then you'd be dead. Uh, and Jean, I feel like Jean comes, uh, like, a lot of baggage, and I don't know. <laughs> uh, I suppose. She feels like she's very lectury. I mean, definitely when I was a kid, I, I had crushes on both of them. Because they were, you know, the foremost female characters in my life. I, I bet your most Spider-Man fans had a crush on uh, Mary Jane. I never did because I never really read Spider-Man. Certainly in the McFarlane years when they super sexualized her. Oh, yeah. It's really funny, like, reading those, like, McFarlane issues of Spider-Man and then jumping back and forth between other issues of Spider-Man where he doesn't draw them and 
she looks like she normally does. Just, just like a, a normal woman rather than this yeah, like exactly. it's super just, it's, busty supermodel. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, Adam, do you have an answer to that question? Uh, I don't know, man. I can't really say which comic book character I'd rather. <laughs> I mean, really, they're cut from the same cloth. So, so maybe they're kind of, they're, they're kind of the same ones. The original one is not, um, you know, one of the, they, I, I agree with you that there's a lot of baggage with both of them. <laughs> I don't know. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, like it certainly can be and usually is, but sometimes, sometimes baggage can be good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess if I had to pick one over the other, I'd pick Gene. I mean, they're both going to die, but at least you'd have some longevity (laughs) with Gene. (laughs) Spoilers. Uh, Oh, whoops. Did I, well, you know, I mean, whatever. Uh, Brian Cornish posted the best comic commentary. I've enjoyed every Thing the guys at the Danger Room have to offer the voice of the humor are great, uh, are the are the best. Uh, I am happy that Adam and Jeremy are part of my podcast adventure. Keep up the great work, and I will always support. Well, you're welcome, Brian. Thank you for your Patreon donations. And Adrian Bundy posted, guys, I love what you're doing. I truly appreciate the hard work and money you spend to give us a journey into the X Men universe. Keep up the exemplary work. Thank you also for your wait. Is it Patreon donations or patron donations? I don't know. I don't Thanks know. for supporting us with money. <laughs> well, we are going to give you some extra. Oh, never mind. <laughs> fell apart. I, I had something and then it disappeared. I, I extraordinary. We're uh, going with I don't extra. Know. It's going to go with extra credit, but then I was like, that doesn't make sense, and then uh, <laughs> the pun fell apart. Extratacular. No, <laughs> I like that word. Uh, so yeah, call, contact us at xmenpodcast.com. Uh, that's our webpage, by the way, www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast, Twitter at danger room go, email us danger room at xmenpodcast.com, go out to iTunes or really wherever podcasts are found to subscribe to us. You can call us and leave us a message at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. And we're at patreon.com forward slash danger room if you'd like to throw us a bone or two. Uh, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And um, there's more more comics. So many more comics. It's Inferno, y'all. Yes, sir. Um, exterminators and new mutants kind of hand, well, not kind of, they hand, they, uh, occur simultaneously. And I was thinking it would be cool if we could do something where like we start with new mutants and then we cut halfway in and we jump over to exterminators and then we jump back to new mutants and then we finish up with Avengers. But, um, no, we're just going to do exterminators for first. <laughs> yeah. The- this will make it so much quicker and easier. I like where you're going with that, Adam, because they are all interrelated and like a, a thing happens that connects them all. And Yeah. Uh, but no. Um, the problem with Exterminators number four is that the first three issues were fairly concise and told a story. But this cuts back and forth between new mutants so frequently that it's kind of difficult to track what's actually happening. For me, anyways. But it's the same deal, right? Like, uh, the pentagram has been opened. Nastir is is uh, gloating. 
Uh, you got a demon in a two-page spread who's eating the comic book panel, which is... Which is what I was going to point out. I love that. <laughs> breaking that uh, fourth wall. Um, we see the new mutants down below doing some fighting. But at this point, the exterminators and the new mutants are not connected. They're fighting... One's fighting above, one's fighting below. In fact, actually, all the exterminators are still just captured by Nastir. Yeah, the the exterminators need Nastir to tell them who the new mutants are. He's like, no, they're humans, mutants like yourselves, born with altered genetic structure that gives rise to parahuman abilities. And they're like, yeah, we know what mutants are. Right. Come on. <laughs> well, because they see all the um, uh, demons falling out of the sky, and then they see Sunspot, and they're like, look, there's a guy who's all black and crackles with power, and then there's a demon woman. Are they demons too? And yes, Nastir tells them that they're mutants. Wiz or uh, Crotus is about to be fed Leech and Artie finally because Crotus is so hungry and he's been such a good demon. But Wiz Kid breaks it up and and uh, says, "No, I you need me for some more stuff, and you can't can't eat Artie and Leech." He tries to go destroy the computer that he created because he can destroy anything that he can create, and Steer uh, grabs him and says, "No, you can't do it," but. For now, you I'll, I'll make sure that uh, because I still need you. Possibly, I won't let Crotus eat uh, Artie and Leech until I get back. And then he disappears. So he has Crotus guard basically everybody. Uh, we get a really cool panel of Nastir uh, drooling uh, over, um, not over, but next to Ileana. Uh, and this this is a panel that'll be at least the words will be replicated. The New Mutants talking about how uh, Nastir tricked her. So we get that. The exterminators, mainly Artie Leach and uh, Taki, uh, Wizkid, um, trick Crotus and are managed to unplug the machine. Uh, I guess Taki knocks the kids underneath the machine and says, It worked too, didn't it, Crotus? Every plug in the right socket pulled just one little pog, and the power of the machine to maintain the spell would be directed or disrupted. And the kids are like, oh, you hear that? Pull the plug. So Artie does. And even though the pentagram is still up in the sky, the portal is starting to close. The rest of the kids are free. And Cordis is like, no. And he runs up to the computer uh, and he wants to plug it back in. But the cords burn him. But ultimately, he plugs it back in. It also burns Nastir, as we learned in the last issue, that demons cannot touch the, the computer. Right. But he does plug it in, as you said. And uh, so everything everything reconnects. But he gets burned up in a huge – Crotus gets burned up in a huge uh, uh, energy fuge, I guess. Fusion, some sort of – Yeah. It looks like he should be dead, but I don't think he does. No, he's not dead. Yeah. He, he just goes, arg. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, this is where things get kind of confusing. Like now we see Sim and Nastir fighting. But again, this is reference like, see new mutants for what's happening here. Pentagram flickered. Yeah, a whole bunch of demons head down towards the exterminators, and uh, they fight them off. Uh, meanwhile, Taki has created a six-plane airplane. Which I guess he says that he had started building while he was building the computer just in case they would need it, and they need it. <laughs> yep. So they're all flying around. Everything's connected. Uh, we see Crotus, he's now blue and burnt, and now he's evil and angry. And he's like, we got to get those kids or Mwather's going to be mad, so let's go. 
and uh, Crotus jumps on Taki's plane. The whole thing pops apart, and Taki's like, I built it so that you could all fly it. And they're like, how do we fly it? And Boom Boom's like, oh, it's like a video game. All right, cool, let's fly. There's no fire button. But then later, hey, I found the fire button. <laughs> and this is where, again, things are confusing because in, in a previous panel we saw Nastir and Sim fighting. Now they're just kind of hanging out next to each other. Like, <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, like, hey, man, I got a cigar. I'm taking a break. Uh, they do find the guns and they start shooting at the at the, the demons. Um, they start rescuing the babies. They realize that they should go get the kids out of the sky which they do, and that's when they encounter the New Mutants by way of Sam first, and then the rest of the New Mutants. So the New Mutants saw them doing something up in the sky and thought they should go check it out because they thought maybe they were saving the babies and they're on our time, or our side. I don't know. Let's go check it out. Yep, they get up there, and uh, Boom Boom's like, Hey, Birdo, remember when the, there was that Fallen Angels thing? We hung out? Yeah. Great to see you. How do you stir this thing? It's like a video game. <laughs> I knew that all along. Right. No need oh, to thank wacky me. hijinks. You are that bimbo with the silly hair. He's hanging out with Gossamer right now. Yeah. And in one of the planes, you've got Rusty, who was hit pretty hard by a demon. Uh, he's bleeding, and Mirage now says, this is a power I didn't realize she had. She's like, I can materialize anything you want if you think about it hard enough. I don't remember that power. Is that a thing she's always had? Yeah, because she got it during the exterminate. No, what was it? <laughs> the the last event that was in the annuals. Oh, uh, uh, evolutionary war. Yes, she got it in the evolutionary war. She got that ability to. Okay. Uh, she's able to make one thing appear. Okay. So what Skids wants more than anything is a bandage for Rusty's head, and she gets it in the form of like a costume mask. So she shouldn't be able to do anything else, like according to her power, this she has to maintain this bandage match the whole time. Well, okay. Otherwise, it'll disappear. Okay. Uh, Nastir shows off the computer to Sim. A computer? You expect to stop Sim with a computer? So uh, he, he taps down at uh, Taki and surrounds, Nastir does, surrounds Taki with uh, with rope and starts forcing his hand to punch in the spells. Uh, meanwhile, Sim displays his or techno-organic virus by grabbing a bird and turning it in, well, I guess absorbing its life force, maybe turning it into a robot bird. Yeah, it looks like it. Well, I don't know. You will be transformed into a thing of wires and circuits and then of living energy, which Sim will consume, just like this bird. Nestor says, but first you must touch me, and that will not be easy. My own touch has certain properties, which heretofore I have avoided exploiting plot device <laughs> right right so he is able his he touches uh, taki on the head and is able to mentally control taki to start pushing in magic spells which like why didn't he just do this from the get-go yeah because they because uh, he he here to avoid heretofore needed to avoid using that for some reason sure sure <laughs> he doesn't see he needed to avoid it he just says that he has been able to avoid I'm just I'm just saying like he must have needed to like maybe it really wins him. Sure. Or maybe he just wanted to like maybe his mom was always critiquing him for using that power and so he wanted to show his mom by not using it as much as possible. Could be. 
Meanwhile, uh, Taki is, is typing away at the things that he's been mentally commanded to type away, but he's like, oh, if I can just move my hand a little bit and hit a button ten times, then this whole thing will self-destruct. And he's able to move his fingers ever so slightly to that key, which is hit ten times. Well, no, he doesn't hit it ten times. He hits the ten times key. Oh, sorry. You're right. <laughs> which is even worse. <laughs> hit one key, a multiples command, all that destruction, times ten Previously, he had been exploding a hole uh, in the, 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 I guess, New York City streets underneath M, but now the uh, explosions happen underneath M and Astir. Yep, and they, uh, they're both um, gloating about how they can heal each other uh, themselves, uh, which they d- do. And the exterminators then just show up because they they weren't here this whole time. They were up in the air, but, oh, the new mutants and them decided – uh, the new mutants decided they did the whole thing where it was like, we caused this to happen. And the exterminator said, no, no, we caused this to happen. Maybe we can work together. And the new mutants said, well, all right, we'll take care of the babies. And the exterminator said, we'll go help Taki. And so finally they land their little mini planes and uh, Richter uses his power to uh, free Taki from the rock that he was trapped in by Nastir. Yep. Boom, boom, throws a bomb and it goes off. It depresses another key on the computer, which causes some sort of, I don't know, It's a steam, every steam cap in Times Square blows its top. That's totally random. And that's where Nastir decides that he needs to use the, he's, he's not winning the battle, so he allows Sim to touch him, making him techno-organic, and um, he's able to, control the techno-organic powers and M isn't able to absorb him. So he is the dominant bad guy at this point, I guess. And so he tries to he tries to merge with the computer so that now that he's techno-organic, he doesn't need Taki. So he tries to merge with the computer and then Taki gets on the other side of the computer and tries to unmerge it. Well, now you're forgetting... back into a computer. Very important point here is that Nastir was green. He was techno-organic in- infected, and now he's red. All right, so techno-organic infection has turned him red and made him more metallic-looking. Right. So where before he had, like, rib cage, now he has, like, solid Colossus-esque metallic rib cage. Yes. Important detail. So as he's merging with Taki's computer and Taki is turning it back into a computer, the whole thing explodes, blowing a hole into the sky. So M's pretty excited about that because it would appear that Nastir is gone. Uh, The pentagram is gone. The portal is shut. There's no more demons entering. M can take over now and take domination with, I guess, whoever's left. I thought... I thought Taki was dead. You're supposed to think Taki's dead. He looks pretty bad. He's all, uh, he's passed out. His face is all black. His little helmet is all smashed. And uh, that's when the new mutants and exterminators head down. And they're like, uh, what's going on down there? Uh, and uh, Taki's like, my fault, my fault. Those poor babies. And Rusty's like, the babies are fine. We rescued them. Look. All 10 of them. And we we closed the portal. We saved the world. You and me and all of the exterminators, we did it all together. Yay. There's so much Inferno left that maybe we saved the world from this, but there's way more happening. Inferno just started. 
But what Come about on, Zim and the other demons? We'll deal with them later. For now, let the exterminators have the rest that they've deserved. And uh, Inferno goes on as the exterminators' Avengers continue in New Mutants 72 and 73. And this is the end of the exterminators' limited series. Yep. Yay. <laughs> New Mutants number 72 is uh, another another Brett Blevin art. Just, just pretty cool. And honestly, like most of everything we just saw, we see once again, but we see it from the New Mutants uh, perspective, also with better art. Yes. <laughs> um, there's some really cool pictures of Ilyana. We get the the part of the story that we get that we didn't get in the other one is Ilyana um, facing both Astir and Sa'im and then basically runs away to try to hide from everybody and she gets attacked by various Manhattan uh, areas that have been taken over by demons and they're – for some reason they're trying to get her to cut them with a sword, which I guess makes her a full-on demon. So she keeps going to weirder and weirder areas and she's also being set up for a marriage, I guess, because I guess she's marrying Nastir. And finally, she cuts a chair who is a demon chair who looks like Cherry. <laughs> Cherry? <laughs> What's the secret word, Pee-wee? Yeah, she cuts the chair and uh, that's enough for that was part of um, Nastir's plan for her to be completely corrupted. So that basically takes us to where that Exterminators ends, which is about halfway in this New Mutants comic book. Uh, so the New Mutants rescue the babies, and then we see all of the New Mutants and Exterminators sitting outside of a church, and some of them that are wounded are going to stay behind. And Boom Boom and Richter joins uh, Warlock, Cannonball, Bobby, and Rain uh, to go find Ilyana, I suppose. We'll have to keep our eyes on this, but I feel like this is where Boom Boom and Richter join the New Mutants. Because I, I think ultimately they end up joining the New Mutants. And I feel like Skids and Rusty just fade off into the distance. <laughs> it could be. I don't remember, though. We never see them again. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I, I don't know where their story goes from here. So Magic got wounded, so she can't go. Uh, plus, people have to protect the babies. And we know Taki is wounded and uh, Skids. And we know that, what's his name, Rusty is wounded as well. So they all stay behind. And we don't see them ever again. Well, I don't know. Maybe we do. <laughs> I could check the internet for more information on that. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so Nastir corrupts magic. Magic turns into like a full on. She sheds her demon skin and turns into like a robot silver demon, I guess. So this was confusing to me because like in this issue, we kind of see, I guess it's that same explosion when Nastir turned red, I was very confused. Like right. I, I was like, wait, when did he turn? Oh, so so now I, I'm understanding it better. He's red when he's become the Technovirus. But the first time I was reading this, I was very confused. I was like, wait, I thought he was dead. Yeah. Oh, wait, he's, he's not dead. 
Th- so, there's even one of the Inferno stories. I don't know that we're going to cover it because uh, at one point I read all of the Inferno, like in the best order that I guess I had provided to me at the time. And there is one book where somebody's like, hey, weren't you green a few minutes ago? And he's like, yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> and he moves on. <laughs> Here they don't address it at all. Like in page whatever, he's green. And two pages later, he's red. Does he even get hit by the techno-organic virus? Not in this issue. I guess he doesn't. No, you see him and Sim fighting, and then you see an explosion. Okay, so I guess uh, Sim punches him, and... Well, it does say, like, what happened down here? And then there's a little caption box that says, Details in Exterminators number four. Okay. So you don't know unless you read Exterminators number four. It's good cross-promotion. And there's also a thing that happens in Avengers number 300, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, so anyways, as I said, uh, Ileana turns into a silver demon. Well, is it a demon or is it is that her silver armor, her like soul armor? I guess it could be the completion of her soul armor. I'm not really entirely sure what's happened. I guess we'll find out in the next issue. But she does defeat Nastir by slicing him open with his soul sword. Of course, he's not dead because he's got the trans-metropolitan virus now. And uh, he's as he's leaving, he say, perhaps the, the experience of Zim's warm embrace will convince you to think more fondly of me. And as Ilyana is crouching to the ground, thinking she's going mad, Zim is standing nearby in a you-come-here-often pose. <laughs> hey, sup? Yeah. Good issue. And that's the end of that issue. There's a lot of stuff happens in that. I mean, we didn't we didn't quite do it the justice that we could have, but you know we're crunched for time. Yep. Uh, Avengers number three hundred is friggin' sixty four pages long. It is, but I mean, there's like a backstory in there too. So there's a whole thing with Kang that I don't care about. He's he's back because apparently he was dead and and now he's back to life. But there's a lot of stuff happening in this issue, and I'm like, what a mess. <laughs> You can kind of skip around most of it because, oh, yeah. like, only 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 the Franklin stuff kind of matters to us. the The main thing is that we, uh, Nastir has another assistant, not Crotus. This one's name is Clytus, and uh, he points out that Franklin is also a dark child, much like Ilyana, and that they could use him as a second source of power to, I don't know, use the energy to help their uh, pentagram in the sky. Reed Richards deduces, like, they they didn't know how to deal with this situation, but he deduces that um, Orphan Maker or Peter means something to Nanny. Uh, He's as much Nanny's kid as Franklin is his kid, so he threatens, like, I will kill Peter if you don't let Franklin go. I am not messing around. And uh, Nanny, it's really weird Nanny's like, all right, all right, come on, Peter, back into the into the into the ship. Let's go. Okay, Franklin, kill them all, and then they fly yeah, away. It's, 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 it's uh, yeah. <laughs> and 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 right before this, Reed Richards had so off panel, like they had a deal, like Orphan Makers, like or Nanny's like, um, okay, Reed, I tell you what, uh, let let's be cool, let's be cool, let's not do anything rash. Uh, I'm gonna take Peter. You're gonna let him go. And uh, we're going to get in the ship. And as soon as we get in the ship, I'm going to release Franklin, right? I'm a bad guy and I have no reason to be trusted, but this is the deal. Is that, is that cool? And Reed's like, sure. I'm okay with Sounds that. Sounds legit to me. <laughs> Sue, you, you good with this? All right, we're good with this. And uh, then he's like, Franklin killed them all. And uh, Reed's like, oh, I thought this might happen. 
I have an idea, though. <laughs> oh, boy. And he uh, he uses, like, an electrified um, lasso to hit Franklin, and Franklin falls over, and Sue's like, oh, my God, Reed, is he? And, he, and he's like, I don't know. We'll find out in a minute. I didn't really think that far ahead. <laughs> I have some probes in the air sled. I'll go get them. <laughs> and then as uh, the Orphan Maker spaceship is leaving, uh, Sue stops it with her invisible bubble, and it looks like she destroys it, although um, she she does say as it explodes and as it's dropping she says how light the wreckage seemed now compared to the ship as it tried to escape so the idea being that not everything that was in the ship is in the ship yeah and that random dude who showed up whose name i still don't know is like it's gilgamesh i figured it out oh okay gilgamesh she's like yeah there's a vessel that flew off you she's gone she's you didn't get her you didn't see that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I thought everybody saw. I would have. I would have pointed it out. I would have oh. told you. So, so they're chit chatting about this whole thing, and and meanwhile, while they're back for like, they still haven't gotten the probes to find out if Franklin's okay. Two pages have passed. No one's looking at Franklin, and Nastir shows up out of a portal and kidnaps Franklin, <laughs> and they're like, "What? Well, look behind you." Well, I'm like, I'm like freaked out that the fact that Sue just like accidentally killed a bunch of people and she doesn't even really care. No, not at all. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's when the steer's like, oh, I'm the steer and, uh, I'm taking this zap. Yep. And, uh, they, uh, yep, yeah, that's, that's that. And then Kang uses some sort of Kang things to help the, the Avengers or the, uh, the team get bit to Franklin. We can skip all that. Yeah, there's some, if the Avengers fail to reform, oh, he's trying to get the Avengers back together, uh, otherwise the future timelines will be, who cares? Right, there, there, there is no Avengers right now, it's just... Do you think, like, the next phase of Avengers could be a Kang story? They should absolutely do a Kang story. I, it doesn't have to be a, I mean, I would love to see the Council of Kangs. I'm not up on my Kang well, just imagine the Council of Ricks from Rick and Morty, but it's all Kang. Okay. I'm pretty sure they stole the the Council of Ricks stole from the Council of Kangs. Probably. I've seen issues where Kang is faced by Kangs and it's always like alt well, not always, but the issues I've read, it's been alternative or alternate universes where Yeah, they could do all happen. sorts of stuff like that. There's there's even uh there's even a time when Nebula becomes the Lady King. Oh. So they could do that. Totally. Uh, the android shows up, which who cares? Anyway, so uh, <laughs> uh, um, they were not sure. Reed was not sure how they were going to get Franklin out of the armor. But Nastir's like, okay, Clytus, let's get him out of the armor. Okay, he's fine. All right. This armor is well made, but it cannot re long resist the cutting energies of limbo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Obviously. So, uh, yeah, now they have Franklin. The cutting energies of limbo that no one has heretofore used. <laughs> oh, Nastir's just... Oh, he's, he's green, by the way, still. Yeah, so he's green right now. So this is happening before he went trans-technovirus. And in fact, he does disappear because he has to go do stuff. Yep. And he expects the demons to guard Franklin. Uh, Thor shows up. La-da-da-da-da. Uh, Eventually, they find the demons. Do you know that... I think the Fantastic Car is a terrible design. <laughs> it looks like a boat. I did not know that. I, 
every time I see it, I'm like, this, it's just bad. It's a 60s design. It's very old school. It is, but it, it seems weird that in the, like now it would be a total throwback and everybody would be like, look at that. But in the 80s, I feel like they've been like, ooh, modernized, wings and spoilers. I think in the 80s, it still was sort of a throwback to that old Kirby design. Oh, I'm sure. Maybe, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, they, they, they hook up with Thor and... Uh, They're able to... The android that King has leads them to Franklin, essentially. And they fight a whole bunch of demons. Uh, Sue finds her son and tries to communicate with him as he is being... His, his power is being absorbed into the pentagram energy flowing out of him into that star just like the big one above times square they're draining him sucking his life force out to feed their horrible machineries must be some sort of sympathetic magic connected to the pentagram over the city this has to stop now and there is a huge explosion which is ultimately what stops the pentagram from happening although i don't know it's just another thing that happens at that time yeah, it seems like all three of these things happen to shut down the pentagram, the computer blowing up, the babies being stolen, and Franklin being pulled away from this pod. There's probably a Daredevil comic where... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, Daredevil this month is fighting a vacuum cleaner. Oh. Uh, a demon vacuum cleaner. And as soon as the vacuum cleaner is destroyed, I think the pentagram closes. I will let you know if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways, the pentagram closes. Uh, Sue has... Franklin, uh, they fight the android. Mm, lots yeah, of the rest of it doesn't really stuff involve happens us. that I don't care about. And then I think the Avengers reform. So there's a new Avengers team with Captain the Captain, mm-hmm. not Captain America, nope. Thor, Gilgamesh, Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic, and maybe even Franklin. I don't know. Could be. <laughs> They're all doing this pact over his bed while he sleeps with his teddy bear, which is <laughs> weird. In uh, in Power Pack this month, uh, Power Pack fights a the boogeyman who has been turned into a demonic boogeyman. Yep. And um, they also stop the uh, pentagram. I'm just kidding. They don't. Oh, I had that issue of Power Pack. <laughs> With the crazy boogeyman on the cover? Yeah, it's like all snotty and gross looking. That's creepy, man. It reminds me of the boogeyman from the Ghostbusters cartoon. Oh, yeah. Which was creepy. Yeah, I like that show. That was a good show. Did you did you ever see the episode of Ghostbusters where they they get done from the Ghostbusters movie and they're all wearing the same colored costumes and they're all covered in like marshmallows and stuff because they just got done from the whole uh, marshmallow man thing and they they get they get these new packages and they're like our new costumes have arrived and they're all the color coded costumes for the cartoon. No, and that, that's like the it's how they. It's the episode is about how they meet Slimer and how they he joins the team. Is that the real Ghostbusters? Yeah, it's the real Ghostbusters. I don't remember that episode. It is a random episode that happens directly after the Ghostbusters movie. But it's not the first episode. It's not the first episode of the real it's, Ghostbusters. It's not. It's like it's. I think there's like a framing device where somebody's interviewing Peter oh. about Slimer, and he's like, "Well, it started directly after the uh, the the Marshmallow Man incident where we got our new costumes, and and it goes into the whole like 
why they're why they're living with Slimer now. And it's an interesting episode, if only because it's the only time they're all wearing the same colored outfits. Interesting. And covered in marshmallow goo. That was back in a time when there was no guarantee of how episodes would air. So nobody tried to do like continuity based stories. So the very first episode of the real Ghostbusters, as I recall, was just like another adventure. There was no like, yeah. hey, we're the Ghostbusters and we bust ghosts. It was just, okay, here's a mission. It, we, it just starts. I feel like that was one of those shows, much like she where they were allowed to just do whatever the heck they wanted. Yeah. It's, like it's, it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, Marvel Comics, oof, Marvel Comics presents number 16. There's actually two stories in this one. Yep. And honestly, I read these twice and I still don't know what happened. God. Like nothing really happens. The Colossus story, we're just continuing with this guy who's like, I fought in Vietnam and I, they tell me where to point the gun and I point the gun. And then you've got this other person who's like, you got to let me go. And they're like, no, you're a commie. And then Colossus, I don't know where Colossus went. So Colossus Colossus is fighting the cold warriors wherever that lady told him to go. Okay. Uh, and he ends up running into this dude who's like, we're with the sea. It's, I think he was earlier in the issue. He's like washing his hands. He's yeah. the Howard Hughes character. And, and then the, the washing his hands becomes this heavy handed analogy for washing your hands of all of the violence that you've done over the years. Right. And, and I was just like, nothing's happening. It's more of the same from, from the last issue of, this is America, but it's not free. You want to go talk to the reporters, the police? Go ahead. I'll make sure a word of it doesn't make it in the press. And I'll be out of jail in a day. We'll see. Can we go? Or aren't your hands clean yet? I feel like this story would work better as one story rather than all of these tiny six-issue parts. Or six six page parts. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it's definitely a dragging story. Because um, I, I I think if you had it within the realm of a what so it's like six parts, so it's like a thirty six page story. If you had thirty six pages, you could probably chop it down to twenty five pages or twenty two right. pages. You could have a good solid issue of what's going on here, and get everything in. But because of this, there's a lot of stuff where it's it it just doesn't seem to go anywhere. It it's it takes it it feels padded like you could do this whole america thing like we did it last issue and we talked we talked about it uh pretty extensively but they do the same thing here uh just i don't know talk, talking about the hypocrisy where does the money come from it comes from drugs it takes an obscene amount of money to run covert operations money the taxpayers aren't willing to allocate bloody 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 blah keep washing my hands i mean that all of it is fine and all of it works but we've already seen it so why do we need to see it again the only interesting thing in this issue is the very last issue when, or last page when uh, the, the dude who is the America guy, Bruce, I think his name is. I don't remember. He's getting ready to shoot the person that he had tied up that now has robot arms that I, I missed that from the last issue. <laughs> I think she always had robot arms. Uh, but then somebody just starts shooting through the house and through the car where the grandfather is and the grandfather is just sitting in there. He's like, Oh, Lana. Oh, Ingrid and Casablanca. When women could fill the screen with the spirit inspired the best in men. Sigh. He's completely oblivious that he's being shot at. I, I like that. I don't know what's going on there. I'm sure it won't pay <laughs> off, but <laughs> I kind of like where it's going. Uh, well, it's got one more, one more episode. So we'll, we'll find out. I, I'm sure I'll be completely let down. 
<laughs> Quite possibly. The long shot story is... This was a complete and utter waste of time. <laughs> well, this this is a thing that happened. This will happen again in the future uh, where um, uh, Gateway talks. I don't think this is Gateway. This is another guy. This is oh, another Aboriginal. Oh, you think it's just some random Aboriginal? Yeah. Uh, are you sure? I, I'm pretty sure. I thought because... in the description it said something like, Longshot and Gateway go on a, let's see. Oh, no, no. An Australian Aborigine teaches Longshot how to dreamwalk. And he gets into trouble as only an X-Man can. Okay, <laughs> so it's not Gateway. It's definitely not Gateway. Okay. It's some guy who, he doesn't even really teach him to dreamwalk. He basically says he's going to teach him to dreamwalk. The X-Men have a cameo where they disappear using Gateway. And then... Well, hang on now. Who are the... So we've got Dazzler. Uh, and we we got Dazzler's Storm. got the short hair. Who's got, Rogue's the, got red... the red hair? How do you know that that's Rogue? Because it has to be Rogue. It could be Madeline. You don't know when this story takes place. Oh, I suppose you're right. I mean, it wouldn't make okay. sense for it to be Madeline, but it's a woman with red hair. We don't see any of the white stripes. She's wearing a hat. I mean, they're doing everything in their power to make it unobvious who this is. She's not saying sugar or anything like that. Uh, Dazzler's like totally out of character. Uh, Longshot's like, I just want to stay home. Dazzler's like, but who will I dance with? And Madeline Rogue says, I'll dance with you, Dazzler. Maybe we better just let him stay. And then you've got Havoc in the background with the wrong haircut and he's wearing glasses. He's got serial killer glasses. <laughs> he does. <laughs> like, I feel like he should have like a sniper rifle and be getting ready to <laughs> shoot somebody from a clock tower. Why does the idea of Longshot Home make me so nervous? I don't know, Havoc, but I know what you mean, says Madeline Rogue. Yeah. <laughs> it, yes. And so they're like, all right, well, let's go party. And uh, yeah. Longshot has his dream walk where he's talking to like a demon wolf who apparently is in his head. Like Before they leave, Storm goes to Gateway and says, Gateway, our mischievous teammate Longshot will remain behind. <laughs> <laughs> we call him Alf, but can you keep an eye on him? He likes to eat cats. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So he does a dream walk, but it's not really a dream walk because there's some sort of weird demonic creature who runs around and smashes up the house, has wings, and Longshot thinks it's a whole big joke and ends up falling down the stairs and falling unconscious. And the X-Men get home, and he fell asleep right where we left him. We thought he'd get into trouble. Not that sweet sleeping face. He looks so innocent, so peaceful. But we cut to upstairs, and everything's destroyed. So do you think in this panel where he falls down the stairs and he kicks the demon, what looks like in the crotch, he's just kicking him back up into a portal? Or was he dreaming? Or maybe he was dreaming, and he just trashed the place by himself. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, I don't know, and I don't care either. It's a weird story, and the art is not great. The, the, art's, the art's probably the – well, no. It's, okay, so the demon is pretty good. Yeah, oh, no, the demon's – Everything else is – you're right. It's terrible. Great. Long shot's <laughs> got, like, weird-looking lips. Uh, the yeah. the drawing of Dazzler is a good human drawing, but it doesn't look like Dazzler to me. And the woman, uh, Madeline Rogue, she looks good, but she doesn't look like Madeline or Rogue. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the serial killer doesn't look like Havoc, but definitely looks like a serial killer. <laughs> so it's, it, you know, from that regard, it's uh, it's good art. It just doesn't look like any of the characters we are familiar with. 
True dad, yo. And that's the problem, some of the problem with Marvel Comics Presents is, at least in the early days, you have, well, it seems like it's like a, a place to feature some some good talent, but then also some places to be like, let's put a popular character with a not-so-great artist. Like, I would not, well, I guess, I don't know, the Rick Leonardi art, you know I'm not a huge Rick Leonardi fan. It's it's interesting art, but it seems simple. Uh, it's not very well inked. I thought it was good for this. Like, I enjoyed it in the context of Marvel Comics Presents. I probably would have enjoyed it in the context of X-Men. Right. So, But as like a side story, that like I thought it was good. Like, I enjoyed it as far as the art goes. The story, not so much. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, that ends our regular coverage of the X-Men comic books. That ends our regular coverage. Adam, should we should we spend five minutes and talk about Avengers Endgame? Spoiler alert here. Uh, we will spoil the Avengers Endgame part two because we're not very cautious and we don't know how to talk in code. I'm going to tell you exactly what happens. So you've been <laughs> warned. Don't complain. Um. And if you if you're like oh but is there content after after they talk about the Avengers that's more X Men no it, we'll just sign off after we won't talk about <laughs> anything else comic book related so you could cut the podcast I don't think there's a listener out there who has to listen to every <laughs> single thing we say they probably as soon as we're done talking about the X Men fifty percent of the people are like done <laughs> they get to the letters section they're like don't care done out oh good exterminators are talking about wonderful um. <laughs> How did what do what did you think? Did you like it? I, I loved it. Yeah, it was, it was it was as as a as the twenty second film in a twenty two film series. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I'm a little. I'm not. I don't want to say I'm torn. Uh, I I liked it. I thought I thought it was great. I was in, entertained. It was three hours and two minutes long, and there wasn't a single minute where I was like, oh boy. In the first part, uh, Avengers End or uh, Infinity War. There was a few scenes where I was like, all right, come on, move it along. But uh, in this chapter, none of that. I agree. Uh, In the first, in Infinity War, there were a couple of moments where like, I'm a little bit bored right now. But, you know, it never never left me bored. No, no, no. yeah, and those, it always picked up. Those were those were fleeting moments of like, "Hey, I'm bored." Oh, that's interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so not not complaining or anything. Um, the but the but the interesting thing is, I feel like if this was any other movie, if this was like a Terminator movie or a Star Wars movie, I think I would be complaining about the time travel <laughs> because, like. It's great. Like they, they, they're like, oh, it's like Back to the Future too. And then they make the, then, they, then uh, I can't remember who uh, starts riffing off like all of the time travel movies. I thought that was funny. It's not. A, it's a tongue in cheek. Before they do the whole like riffing on the different movies that have been time travel movies, there is like this completely ridiculous gobbledygook that, as far as I could tell, made absolutely no sense, but which translated to. Whatever we're about to do in this film in concerns of time travel, it works. Don't worry about it. Yes. Sit back. Have a good time. Chill. Right. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm glad they had that because, like, it, it makes me feel more comfortable to not really care. And, and, and either the movie was entertaining enough and stood on its own merits that the time travel stuff just didn't matter, or they did such a good job, like, come on, guys, it's time travel. <laughs> 
<laughs> like we're going to do a thing. It's going to be fun. You're going to hear a couple jokes. You're going to see some fight scenes. Like you're going to, uh, you're going to get to see that awesome first Avengers scene. We're going to show you that again. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, so just, just, just chill. You see Captain America fight himself. Yeah. Yeah. All that, that was good stuff. But I mean, I had some, I, I mean, let's be honest. Like I had some huge problems with the time travel. And I don't know if they did that on purpose. If they're like, like, let's not even try <laughs> to get this, like... Well, they obviously tried because there was this whole subplot about getting the Infinity Stones and even Thor's hammer back to their original time. Oh. So they cared enough to pepper that in. Yeah, but how how is Captain America going to get Mjolnir back to Asgard? <laughs> These are great <laughs> questions. Everything else I buy, everything else I buy. Well, actually, I, I guess I don't buy like Captain America can return a couple of the Infinity Stones to the places on Earth unless they did like multiple time jumps and space jumps. But there were some like they had to go to other planets to get some of these Listen, stones. Like <laughs> he's he's Captain America. OK, OK. That's all you need to know. All right. All right. You know, I didn't think about it like that way or like that. So. So, yeah, I guess if those things are returned back where they left off, I mean, some things in the time stream are changed, but for the most part, everything else is more or less put back together. The big the big flaw, and I, and again, I don't think it's an actual flaw because, like I said, I don't think time travel matters in this movie, is the fact that if, if Thanos himself goes back in, well, it goes into the future, then he was never in the past to collect the Infinity Stones. And if he's never in the past to collect the Infinity Stones, this whole event doesn't happen, which is the whole thing that gets them to do the whole time heist in the first place. Therefore, paradox. Right. Right. But again, it's maybe it's just because it is so entertaining that you just don't care. Or maybe like that whole fight when Thanos moves in himself into the future and you see like every superhero Man, there must have been a lot of green screen going on. <laughs> the whole thing must have been. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, but it it looked great. But I mean, there's no way that all of those people were on the same soundstage doing all that stuff. I feel like while it looked great, and I'm not complaining about the effects at all, it felt like based on those sweeping shots and all of those little mini fights that were happening, there had to be so much green screen copying and pasting going on. Yeah, probably. But I mean, probably... Most people were shot by themselves. Right. And I even felt that way when they did the, this is this is the spoilery part, when they did the funeral thing and they were sending the body off and then you kind of panned back and you saw basically everybody who's been in any of those movies. I'm like, I wonder if they are all actually there or if some of those people are digitally inserted. Who was the kid? I don't know. Uh, okay. You're talking about like, like three from the back, I think. And they, yeah, they, they like just... kind of pause on him for like a moment and then they keep going. I, I don't thinking, know who that was. I was thinking maybe it's the kid from Iron Man 3, but then oh, maybe, maybe maybe it's a character that we haven't met yet. Who knows? I'll go with the kid from Iron Man 3. That that seems the most reasonable. But uh, you, don't think, you don't think they're peppering in a future character? Uh, no. I, why, why would they need to? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't that... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He didn't stand out enough for when that solo movie comes out. He'd be like, oh, that was the kid from the funeral. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he, he stood out enough that you were like, wait, who is that? that? But he wasn't wearing like like a, a distinct red jacket that's like, oh, it's, it's red jacket guy. Yeah. <laughs> or a clue, a visual clue for the next movie. You're like, oh, that's how they connect them. Anyways, uh, yeah, lots of fun. I'm, 
I don't. I wonder if it has replayability. I'm sure for a lot of people it does. I'm just wondering if I would enjoy it on a second screening. I still enjoy like. Uh, okay, so even though I found parts of Infinity War to be a little bit boring, I still enjoy watching it. But I don't ever watch it in one sitting mm. because it's on Netflix now. So I'll watch like a half hour of it, mm-hmm. and, or I'll, I'll watch it up to a point where I'm like, okay, this is a good stopping point. And the next time I'll pick it up. So I've watched it. I've watched it one and a half times since it's come out on Netflix. Sure. Right before we saw Ms. or Captain Marvel. I attempted to rewatch uh, Avengers uh, Infinity War and I made it about halfway before I I dozed off and fell asleep. Granted, it was a little later in the evening. um, But when I got like the next day, I was like, oh, I could finish this. I was like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) And and that's the thing. It it, it took me weeks to finish it the first, the, 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 the second time, I guess. And like I've started it again since then. And I really enjoy like the first half hour and then I get kind of like a little hazy on the rest and I don't know when I'll pick it up, but eventually I'll pick it up again and I'll watch it to another point. And I, and I think I'll probably do that with Endgame as well, or I'll just watch it in chunks. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's what happens when you get old folks. You start watching movie in chunks. Yeah. Movies in chunks. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I was really hoping that they would, uh, I was really hoping that they'd do something fun like uh, when they solve the whole um, Infinity War thing, uh, or 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 the Infinity Stone thing, and they got all the people back. That like a new anomaly was popping up, and it was super powered humans, otherwise known as mutants. <laughs> I thought that'd be like a really good like insertion point for like what, what the, we're getting reports of super powered humans. No, they're they were wrapping up a thing. So like, this is basically. They're finishing up a story. Understood. So no room for no room for new stuff. So yeah, it probably wasn't a new character. It was probably the kid from Iron Man Three. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Or maybe maybe it was Wolverine. Doubt it. <laughs> Doubt it. Uh, speaking of which, uh, now I've lied at the first part, but uh, they had an X Men trailer on in front of um, Endgame, at least in my theater. I didn't. I did. Uh, actually, yeah, I did get an X Men trailer. <laughs> That's I forgot it. <laughs> and the X Men trailer looked uh, was di- way different than what I've seen on YouTube so far. And is, the, is it the one where they start out by "We're doing space missions now"? Yeah, something like, "Oh, NASA, this is Xavier. We're coming to help." Okay, when they first came out with a teaser, I was like, "This actually looks really good." And then they came out with a trailer, and I was like. I have less interest. And they came out with two more trailers. And I was, every time they release a trailer, I lose more and more interest to the point where I'm not even sure if I'm going to go see it in the theaters. I really just don't care. <laughs> I uh, I was more intrigued by the theater trailer, the trailer I saw in the theater, than the teasers and other trailers I've seen on YouTube thus far. I don't know that, that <clears throat> I don't know that that's saying much. <laughs> um, I'll see in the theater. I just have zero expectations. I'm so sick of going to the theater. <laughs> you only have to go like three times a year. I know, but like those three times are torturous. Why? I just I just hate people. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> every it's okay. My Avengers experience was great. It was a very respectful audience. Mm-hmm. There were there were you know there there wasn't anybody annoying. 
my Captain Marvel experience, there was somebody talking behind me the whole fucking movie or the whole movie. Oh, and there it is. <laughs> Our one for the year has already been burnt and it's only May. I had one other thing I wanted to add to the Avengers. This this is my only um, gripe and it's it's small. It's very small. I really wish they would have cut Stanley's part. Why? Because I thought they buttoned up the Stanley stuff very well in Captain Marvel, where you had that whole introduction sequence of Marvel characters as Stan Lee. And you know, then, I miss I miss that because oh, I had to go to the bathroom. It's a it's you should rewatch <laughs> it just for that. So, like Captain Marvel, I thought was like even though it's not an Avengers movie, and that's where you would want to button it up, which would right. make the most amount of sense. They did such a great job in Captain Marvel with that opening sequence. There was like you saw poses of. All the Marvel superheroes, but it was Stanley as those superheroes. Uh, and then in the middle, there was the the Stanley reciting Mall Rats lines, which was very funny. And then at the very end, I think it said something like "Thanks, Stan," and like everybody cheered and stuff in the theater. Like I thought that was like the perfect way to say farewell and pay homage to Stanley. And in Endgame, you you just got like keep on trucking or something. It was stupid. No, it was like make love, not war. It was stupid. And it, it was, no, it was, it was, it was one of the better cameos. I didn't, I mean, I shouldn't say it was stupid. It also looked like they de-aged him, which, which is probably why they kept it in there. It's a good one. It's a good last one. I mean, there probably isn't going to be another one. There might be another one. No, they had, they, I read something with like, they had already filmed that one and like, that that's all they had so obviously they were going to use it but i really wish it would have been like in the trailers or an outtake like i i just wish they wouldn't have put it in the avengers because i thought that they did such a great job handling his farewell in captain marvel that this was kind of like oh and here's one more i had because i guess because i didn't see that thing i, it, it didn't I almost me. cried when you, you watch that thing when they do the marvel thing it, I, what yeah. they should have done was put that in front of avengers endgame also, they should put it in front of all the Marvel movies from now on. You just get the Stan Lee intro. I mean, it, Captain Marvel just came out like a month or two ago, right? So yeah. they could they could still get away with doing another one. Yeah, yeah. They could do the exact same thing and just have it be before this movie. Th- then I would then I would not have had the complaint because I felt like he got all the treatment in Captain Marvel and then just kind of like this one off thing in Endgame. That and again, it's it's very minor, very small. But that's that's my I, that's my one gripe. I liked his cameo in this one. I thought it was a good last cameo. It was one of one of the better ones. My favorite one still being in the Amazing Spider-Man number two. What does he do there? He is the music teacher, and he's like he's got headphones on and he's listening to like some uh, record or something like that and like kind of moving to it. And Spider-Man's fighting behind him and he doesn't even notice. And like things get thrown at him, and Spider-Man catches it with his web and it almost hits him. It's really cute. Hmm. You didn't like him in Deadpool as the. That's my least favorite one. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. I thought it was kind of funny that he was in a strip club, but yeah, I don't know. It was just like Stanley wouldn't be in a strip club. <laughs> I don't know. I bet you he's been to a fair amount of strip clubs. Yeah, in, in his younger days. All right. Well, I, yeah. Um, I'll and on that note. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. We, we already talked about the last Skywalkers, I think. Yeah, we did. We already talked about that. So maybe if Thanos dies in the future, 
he is able to go back to the past. I don't know. Yeah, he, he that, that's that's where the whole thing kind of falls apart. But again, I don't think it matters. But again, it doesn't because yeah. because the the way that they explained it was essentially whatever happens is what happened. Right. And, and so things don't things don't change. And you get a soft reboot on Gamora. You get a soft reboot on Loki. Yep. They're all possibly and probably back. That's good. That's great. It'll be fun. It's just like a comic book. I am never going to go see another Marvel movie in the theater again, but I'm glad that I saw these. I think I think I saw 20 out of 20, the 22 in the theater. Oh gosh, I did not. No. I I think I saw No. I I saw I think I I've seen only like most of these phase what are we in? 3, 2? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I saw I don't think I saw the first Avengers in the theater. And then I was really upset that I didn't. So I was like, I'm seeing all these in the theater. So I've seen everything since uh, that Avengers movie in the theater. I don't think I really saw any of the other ones in the theater. I think I just saw them at home. Hmm. Certainly like the Thor movies, I had zero interest in those. Well, that's how I'm going to do it from now on. I'm just waiting for things to come out at home and then I will watch them in the comfort and... Uh, niceness of my house where I don't have to hear people chewing on popcorn or rustling papers or, or talking about things or, or pointing out what's happening in the scene as it's happening. Oh, he went through that door. Oh, but Adam, there's an expectation that we go and see an X-Men movie and then we do a, a review on it. I know. <laughs> so you're going to have to, you're going to have to figure that out. Maybe you get a friend to to tape it on on their phone, and you can watch <laughs> their get, phone yeah. copy. I can get somebody to videotape it. That's a good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's enough for me. All right. Okay, folks. Uh, until next time. My name is Jeremy. I looked it up, and there are tons of appearances of Rusty coming up. So, all the way through to like X Men number fifteen. I'm I'm signing us off, Adam. I was following up on something from like an hour ago. Okay, well, and I'm Adam. Oh, and the danger room. Don't worry, guys. Rusty's fine. Rusty will be with us for a while. And the danger room is closed. <laughs>